Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello to every single one of you good humans out there and welcome to Good Humans Podcast guest episode number 68. If it's your first time here today, a very warm welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you leave us a five-star rating either on Spotify or Apple Podcast. It does help us out a lot. Also, hit that follow and subscribe button. It's so nice to have people coming back week in, week out and just adopting that growth mindset. This podcast is all about talking to incredible people about their stories and learning from their stories with me. Also, we do have a few other podcasts on this thing called The 1% Podcast where I talk about gratitude and the incredible people in The 1% Good Club and also my 28 and Sober episodes where I'm going through a year journey of not drinking alcohol. So make sure you check out both of those episodes. If you enjoy The Good Human Factory and what I talk about around mental health and kind of trying to challenge the way we talk about mental health and making it more accessible and making it just a little bit different than most organizations. I want people to realize that mental health is not mental illness and that's what my workshops are all about. If you're interested in the Good Human Factory workshop, make sure you head over to the website. You can find it in the show notes. Check out the upgraded website actually. It's pretty bloody cool at the moment. So let me know what you think. Um, You can check out and inquire about our workshops over there. Also check out our merchandise. We have a bunch of really cool stuff. The main things that I love people wearing are the shirts and hoodies because they have some really special messaging like what are you grateful for and be kind to your mind. Every single day I get messages from people that these um, pieces of merch are having a really positive impact on the community. So if you want to help spread good around your community and you want to be a positive influence on those around you, make sure you grab some merch, use the code podcast and you get a huge 25% off. So yeah, I'd love if you could go over there and just check it out even. So thanks so much for that. Today's episode, Barney Miller, this guy is such a legend. He's had an incredibly interesting story. He had an accident when he was a bit younger and broke his neck and has been paralyzed from the chest down. And Barney was a mad surfer, really, really wanted to be a professional surfer when he was younger. And then this accident obviously changed his direction in life. But in this podcast, you hear all about his journey, his recovery, and then getting back in the water, obviously a bit different than he used to surf. Now he surfs on his stomach, um, but he actually won an adaptive world title at the ISA World Surf Championships. He talks all about that story, the journey to recovery, and just the healing effects the ocean has had on him. He also talks a lot about his relationship with his beautiful partner, um, Kada. And their story and their journey over the last few years has just been nothing but incredible. So I absolutely love this chat. If you're enjoying it, make sure you share it with a friend. I know so many people will get a lot out of this. Put it up on your Instagram story tag, both myself and Barney. You'll be able to find both of our Instagrams in the show notes. And yeah, let's jump straight into the episode. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Barney Miller. How you going, mate? Oh, mate. Couldn't be better. On the Goldie. 
Well, it was good until it just started raining, but yeah, it's all good now. I know, it literally just started raining as you guys jumped out of the car, <laughs> but it's, um, it's great to be chatting to you, man. This has been a long time coming. You are an incredible human, which so many of our friends know, and it's going to be really cool to get to tell your story today. Thanks, mate. Yeah. So the first question I ask everyone is, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for... How many are you allowed to do? Just one? You can do as oh, many grateful, as you want. I'm grateful to get an opportunity to be on this podcast. I'm, yeah, it's uh, it's an incredible podcast you have going and, and, and the whole initiative's epic. And for you to ask me, um, that's definitely one of my gratefuls. Oh, absolutely. Well, man, it's going to be really cool to get to tell your story. You've been on a hell of a journey with some serious ups and also some serious downs, which hopefully we're going to get to talk about today to inspire the listeners to... Yeah, live life to the fullest. So let's yeah. rewind back to the start. What was, from what you can remember, childhood like? Where'd you grow up? And yeah, what was youth like for you? Yeah, child, childhood was awesome. Like, I guess just being one of those kids that just loved every sport, wanted to be involved in everything. It's like first started with soccer and then moved on to surfing when I was born in Kempsey and then we had a holiday house at South West Rocks. So. Sick. Every holidays, no matter where we lived, we'd always spend the whole summer holidays on the coast. So, yeah, that's where I got love for the ocean and just good friends that taught me how to surf. And, yeah, just being – being, and then even though we moved sort of a fair bit when we were younger, like out west, we spent a lot of time out west, but always had that beach and always had that thing to look forward to in the summer holidays where we'd always come to the ocean. Mm, absolutely. What about in school? Did you play many sports and stuff growing up, or what was, yeah, what was youth like in high school like for you? Yeah, youth was good. Like I was always involved at all the athletics carnivals, swimming carnivals. I said, love soccer. Um, not much surf out west, but like we just, yeah, I just sort of, mate, I don't know. We just sort of played matchbox and and all that sort of thing. But yeah, always always trying to be involved in everything I could when I was younger and. Just, yeah, just love, love, love being love being a kid. Yeah. What about academic and stuff through high school? What were what were you like at school and what was sort of your vision throughout school that the future was going to hold for you? Yeah, so, well, the academic side, not the best probably. As, yeah, as, <laughs> most, as most surfers, mate, because we moved to the back to the beach when I was in year uh, five. So five, six, seven, and then into high school, I just fall in love with surfing and competing and didn't even want to go to school. Like school wasn't a thing I really wanted to go to. So, ended up going, getting through high school barely. Had to repeat year eleven because I didn't turn the first turn up the first time. But um, yeah, just moved. Yeah, moved into like the competitive and yeah, just just wanted to get school over and done with to just start competing sort of full time. And it was it got to yeah that point and um yeah it was just. Scrape through pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, schools. Are, it's funny. On this podcast, because I, I do talk to a lot of people, I almost talk to everyone about school because I think it... The reason I do it now is because collectively everybody's different. Yeah. And that's what I like to get to, that we all get to this the end part of the story with everyone. And generally the people I speak to, well, definitely everyone's a good human, but most of them are pretty happy at where they are at in their life. So I like yeah. to kind of tell the journey and show that, hey, you could have gone through school and hated it, yeah. could have gone through school and loved it, but we can all get to a place of happiness and fulfilment once we get to the present moment. Definitely. So it's nice to hear your, yeah, your story. I, I love the social side of things, that's for sure, mate. That's the best. Like <laughs> hanging with mates, hanging, playing handball, whatever you used to do. So, yeah, it's always good. It was fun, hey. Yeah. What about 
leaving school was the goal professional surfing competing is that where your mind was at yeah just well just wanted to give it a solid crack so just once we left school just sort of or the last couple of years of school just competing in as many amateur events and then when i left school sort of surfed in a few bigger events like um one of the biggest three events that i probably surfed in was the coke junior classic which was a narrabeen yeah narrabeen yeah there yeah you go. so yeah so <laughs> yeah we, we we surfed i surfed in that that was a pretty cool thing to be invited to and yeah that's where i sort of become good mates of all like the maca boys and darren o'rafferty and all all the crew that went to go further and, and, and they uh, were all your age yeah, they are they are my age. Yeah, literally, we're within a couple of months. So Sick. just to see where they were, and just to see how I could push myself to try and keep up with them, it was um, yeah, it was cool. And then we used to just catch up at all the events, and, and yeah, and then give it a yeah, run a mark. I know a, all about running a mark in those oh, junior mate. series oh, events. Oh jeez, yeah, so yeah, it was it was wild times. Eh? What about what were you doing for work after school to make money to do the surfing, or did you have a sponsor? Yeah, I I did have a sponsor, but um, but yeah, what wasn't really getting paid, so just fr- free gear. And so I, when I left school, I started um, well all th- all through high school, I was just like kitchen hand, like just in the hospitality, just doing yeah. the the good hours, working at night for a few hours, and then getting surfing, up early mate. and surfing. Yeah, and then when I left school, and then um became a whitewater rafting river guide so yeah about an hour and a half uh north of or northwest of where we from they've got pretty good rapids there so i just started doing that and that was pretty incredible just to meet people from all around the world but just also yeah get um it was an incredible workout like and just kept me in the fit side of things like because it's just like the paddle paddle power and the paddle sort of fitness is what you need to, to be a surfer. Like mm. it's constantly using your arm. So yeah, it was it was um it was good like that. I used to feel the same when I was digging holes, and yeah, then yeah, I, I'd, I'd tell myself that it was yeah this is good it's for helping. my surfing. It's and, and then I couldn't walk. My back was that far. <laughs> yeah, and I do <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, you can play tricks in yeah, your mind. Yeah, you, you try it, man. The mind's a powerful thing. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, let's I guess go into this next chapter of your story when your accident happened. Do you yeah. want to talk us through what happened and yeah, for sure. Yeah, so what so you can remember and so what? Um, so I was I was pretty into the whitewater rafting uh, river guiding and then, um, pretty much I started TAFE like when I first left school to just do hospitality management because I knew that to be ep- something epic to fall back on, if if nothing eventuated. But um, yeah, so we just sort of I was going hard at that, um. New Year, I was planning a year out of surfing, traveling, doing events, uh, and we we're on our way up to Wildwood Rafting, um, the the river, and yeah, a guy I worked with just uh, was t- driving us up. Like I never would drive, I never would drive with this guy. Like I would always be um, uh, in the bus or driving the bus, and then it, um, yeah, he was driving and he took a corner way too fast and he was in a van and just lost control he got ejected car rolled i was in the car and then we just hit a tree and um it led to me being crushed from behind and or up the top and behind which just pushed my head into my my lap and and broke my neck so man it's it's something that's you wouldn't wish on anyone and i actually spoke to josh wood a friend of yours 
literally a few hours before recording this. I'm on a full podcast day today. <laughs> and likewise, I'm not sure if his episode will come out before or after this, but yeah. he broke his neck too. And uh, like hearing, having to hear the story his twice in a day, not, yeah, his story oh, yeah. is crazy too. Yeah. But what was that next part like for you when, when you realized, you know what, what can you remember from the day, if you, if you don't mind talking about it? Because speaking yeah. to Josh, it's really interesting, kind of the stages, I think, yeah. where you go from, oh, my God, I'm alive. Mm-hmm. But then, oh, crap, like something's not right. What was yeah, that like mine for you? Was like, or were you unconscious from the get-go? Yeah, no, I, I was um, conscious the whole time they were cutting me out of the car, which wow. I don't remember. Like, I remember going shopping, doing the shopping, driving, and then literally the split second that the car lost control, that's where my memory just went for a week. So wow. um, um, the so I don't remember any of the cutting out. I don't remember going to the hospital at Grafton. I don't remember getting shipped down to Sydney in the in the Westpac helicopter. And then after a few about five days, things just started to get start to come clear. But it was so mixed with like morphine induced dreams and stuff that i didn't know what was real and what was reality and and it was there was some wild uh dreams going on eh? like it was just it was hectic so then when i woke up fully it was i don't know i I didn't wake up like i woke up and i was like where the hell am i and that but uh it was it was like the it the the drug induced five days leading up almost not didn't prepare me but it sort of i don't know i could just say like it wasn't a massive like it wasn't a huge shock because i I didn't know what was going on in 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 any way so when they did tell me it was like obviously it was like what like what happened blah blah blah. and they said yeah it's like what's you broke your neck yeah you never like in you you sort of and then the first thing I said will I ever be able to surf again and that was like a no straight up so that oh yeah that that broke me like that was something that um yeah I wouldn't like I would never want to hear that thing that ever again like it was kind of your mind goes in so many ways but it just I broke down obviously and then and then I just got angry like it was kind of an anger thing like I just told the person to get out of the room and 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 then I sort of but I was by myself so it was kind of yeah it was it was hard, it was hard because How old were you at this time? 20. 20. Yeah. Just kind of going off that because it's it's a similar story that I hear time and time again with bad injuries with doctors giving no hope. Oh. And I understand the legalities of it because of you don't want to tell someone, oh, no, you'd be right, and then they're yeah, not. Yeah. But it feels like the language needs to change. Yeah. Like, well, even since, a tiny bit of hope. Like, well, But just the language can change. Yeah, like, yeah. Since what happened, you've, you're a world champion surfer. Yeah, yeah. But because they say you're never going to surf again, like, there just needs to be... I mean, even if it was like, hey, you're probably not going to surf like you did before. Yeah, exactly. That might have been a better yeah, thing to yeah. tell or, or even, like, I, I just say, I reckon they should just say, there have been... We have known of people that have... Yeah. got past your injury or, or gotten better or like gotten better than they were and stuff like it's not it's to shut someone down it's I was lucky that I have a a very supportive community mm. and good friends and a strong mind like 
people that don't have strong minds and don't have anything and like that, that that can send them into the darkness, like. Mm. And that's yeah. that's yeah, that's yeah. I, I I totally agree. It's got to change for sure. Yeah, it's a scary place to be. I can imagine like in that situation, and then to be told like you're not gonna be able to do what you love to do ever again. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just seems like a language almost that needs to change. And like yeah. doctors should have more empathy sometimes. But but I can also understand. Oh, yeah, I can understand the whole legality. Yeah, you can empathise with them. Like, yeah. like, imagine having to tell people that like, oh, day yeah. in, day out. Yeah, like, it'd be yeah. hard. But yeah, there's got to be a little shift in that. Yeah, I, I agree. Think. For sure. What was the next stage like for you recovery-wise? How Next stage was just trying to... Don't know, because I, I, I'd been told I'd never breathe by myself, and so I'd have a ventilator for the rest of my life. I'd never m- move my right arm, and it, yeah, and definitely no chance of walking or anything like that. So I guess then it just sort of started to tick in my mind, how can I, how can I better, like how can I chip away oh, at some yeah. of these things? So first had to be the breathing, like... There was no way I wanted to have to go everywhere with a ventilator. Like, that's just a pain in the ass pretty much. Yeah, but, like, yeah. so I was like, I said, okay, all right, well, I've got to beat that. So first time I had to, I had a ventilator at the time in my neck. And so I couldn't talk either. Like, because the air was coming out of here, I couldn't mm. speak or anything. So we had to go through the stages where they'd come and cap off the, um, ventilator and I'd have a go at breathing so first time they did it, they capped it off and it just was the most it was it was like being suffocated like it was it was so scary and literally I lasted not even a second like it was like just getting your your airways just cut off straight away and it's how they had to put it back in so then and that's from the spinal cords cause yeah the- because so the spine that where the breathing is is around three C three or C four I think it is but um and my damage went up to or the swelling went right up to C three three or C two or something but um yeah it was yeah so that was I had to have a go so but you could only have one go at a time per day so I'd have to wait another twenty four hours to be able to do it so they next did it again and I lasted maybe. 40 seconds and then I was like okay and then I felt like I was getting suffocated so I freaked out again so and then it went to two minutes like the next day and then um went to 40 minutes and then went to two hours and then after two hours it went to five days so I was like okay I think I'm I'm getting this going but then they said if you can breathe by yourself for a week we'll take out the ventilator so those last two days were probably the hardest two days ever because I was like, if I fuck up or if I if I don't do back it, to back one. to day one. So I had to stay seven days. Yeah, so I got to seven days and uh, it was, yeah, mate, they said, all right, you can take it out. So then they had to, they actually had to pull the tube out of my throat and then or they literally just put a Band-Aid over the top. It was so weird. Like, it was just a massive hole in my neck and they just put a Band-Aid and And then they go, all right, you can talk now. And I said, and I'm like, and they go, no, you can talk. And I'm like, oh, I can too. Like, I've got a voice now. Like, but it was super soft. So, yeah. So then, yeah, that was the first stage. So it's just those baby steps. Baby steps, yeah. Chipping away at things like, yeah, yeah. It's just like realizing, yeah, if there's a big, 
challenge ahead of you, you just got to chip away at the little bits. And- uh, did that mindset come straight away? Because speaking to Josh, he was like, when he found out he'd broken his neck and couldn't move at the start, he reckons he was pleading his mum to kill him, basically. Yeah. Which is like so oh, sad to hectic, hear someone say that. Yeah. Was there, or were you pretty good mindset-wise well, from I'll, the start? I wouldn't say I was pretty good, but I, I don't know. It was just being, having that competitive mind and that yeah. compet- and and just, yeah, I just remember, like, one thing that just is so ingrained in my head was something that my mum said to me when I was probably 14 or 13 when I first started competing was the power to win comes from within. So that was, it's still in my mind. Like it's Isn't still in my crazy? mindset. Like today. a sentence. I know. And like literally guide you. Yeah. Isn't it's it nuts. Hey, like so words are powerful. Huh? Yeah. And so we, I, yeah, I always had that in the back of my mind. Like and whenever, because I I used to just in surf comps, I just used to say that over and over and over again, just in a heat, just going powder wing comes from within, powder wing comes from within. Like, and it's funny how. Yeah. That can just work, like, but, but yeah. So whenever there was da- down days, or you just sort of had to really, yeah, just try and zone in on that mm. sentence and and work out, um, yeah, work just try and work out a way forward, work out a way, and try and just keep chipping away. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. So how much longer till you started breathing on your own? How long were you in hospital for until you got to leave? And what did it look like your quality of life was going to be like moving forward? Yeah, so it took me uh, – it was on week five that I got my ventilator taken out. Yeah. And then so that then I could go from intensive care up to the spinal unit in Royal North Shore, Sydney. So my sister works actually in the spinal unit. Really? No way. Okay, so we – and so then I had to do that. So then I had two months in rehab there um, or in the spinal unit and then I went to – out to Royal – it's called Murong. It was like the Royal Rehabilitation Centre in Ryde. So I went out to there and I spent six months out there. So it was – yeah – it was they they try to transition you to the the life that you're in like that's another area of the medical system i reckon can have a little bit of a change up as well like it was what were some challenges there um challenges was sometimes trying to allow them to let me do things with my legs where they wouldn't do so they work on which is another thing, and I can totally see where they come from, their point of view, but I can see another point of view is they just work on what you've got. Like they work on your, if you've got your arms, they work on your arms. Yeah, yeah. And then just not worry about the legs. So that was something where I was like, I need to start concentrating on my legs. So I'd, I'd get my mum to go put me on this cycle machine every day or getting a standing frame, like just to just to try like a, a frame that actually st- like stands you up, like yeah, you're, yeah. you're not doing it yourself but i just thought if get you want to yeah you got to get the body yeah. in position that needs to be in so i spent six months there and then the transition back to home was it was it was hard but it was it was incredible because of the community they had there yeah so i wasn't left like by myself yeah yeah at, at all so which was good but then yeah and then but when eventually did get left by myself that was kind of hard so um 
yeah, it was. It, it's always a um, a bizarre transition, and um, I think, yeah, it's. It also did lead me down a bit of a crazy party path as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, just having so many people around. Like everyone wants, yeah, to, have a everyone drink. wants, everyone wants to drink. Everyone wants to drink. Yeah, everyone's sport, which is epic. And uh, yeah, just and then it led, and then mates moved away, new mates came along, or, or the just sort of. I think it was like I, I I got older, but the crew that I hung around with and party with stayed the same age. Yeah. It was, uh, which is, and then I had to try and keep up with them young fellas. So it was like, it was hard, but yeah. it, was fun. it was fun. But it, but then, yeah, there's only so much of that you can do before things just start going downhill again. And, yeah, yeah, and what sure. you're masking is, it comes to a, to a head. And what about with your health? Did it slow down kind of progression? Because I know you're so now passionate about continuing to get yeah. better and to grow and get those one percenters and use the support group around you. Yeah. What do you feel like there was a turning point where you're like, wait a second, like I worked so hard to get back to here. Yeah. And now I'm kind of sitting in this. So, so what I used to, I think it, it pretty much, I used to just work out and do as much stuff as I can to allow me to drink all weekend. Like it kind of just, I definitely went in the slow back position, like backwards slowly, but it kind of kept me in the yeah. just stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until I probably met Kata where it became a goal to improve myself as as well as she wanted to improve herself. We 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 met us we met each other at a at a, a point in time where we were both in a, at a low point, and then we hit the party scene together, and then it just got to a point where we were like are we going to continue this? This is, we're not going to survive together mm. or survive in general if we keep going down this path. So it was a switch that we both, um, yeah, uh, tricked and, yeah. and, and, and decided that we, we need a path which is a bit better for our health, which will in, in, um, help our relationship as well. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I want to touch on just how you met Kata, but for one, I mean, one of the main reasons I want to is to maybe empower and inspire other people with a disability like yours to know that dating can, you know what I mean, can yeah. just be just as beautiful for exactly, you as it can yeah, be for other totally, people. Because I'm yeah. sure there's so many people with disabilities. For one, what did you think of yourself when it came to dating before you met Kata? Yeah. And, um, yeah, how did you view your sort of future prospects when it came to dating before you met Kata? I get yeah, I guess it was I was always pretty confident, but the booze was definitely a confidence booster <laughs> as well. Like, and, and and I don't encourage anyone to just drink just to get confidence because it's something yeah, you yeah, should build yourself. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's but it uh, has its places. It does. It does. Yeah. And, and I guess it can, yeah. It, like I was lucky that I used that to to be confident with to to see her and um, and then when we did stop the alcohol or the the the, the massive intake, it was, yeah, it was, it was good. You realise that, yeah, that there are people, um, yeah, that, that there's love out there for sure. Mm. 
no matter what situation you're in. Yeah, that's beautiful. Like your guys' story, you just gave me a book. And beautiful Kater is sitting here in the room <laughs> while we're recording right now. So uh, uh, we will get Kater on as well to hear her full side of the story because she's a beautiful singer and a beautiful person, which I'm sure you can tell me all about. But we're going to continue on with your story because there's a few different points that I really want to touch on. And yeah. one was that next journey to getting back in the ocean. How important was the support around you? Because I know there's some people, key people like Mick Fanning. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can name a bunch of the other boys yeah. who have been instrumental in that journey for you. When did you kind of make the decision, you know what, I need to get back in the ocean? Yeah, it actually took me five years to get back in the ocean, which... After the accident? After the accident. Okay. So, like, it was... when Once I did it, I think it was just that point where i was like how do i get back in the ocean or how do i do this what do i do but when i got back in there i was like why the hell did it take me so long like yeah it was uh i should have jumped with that but but every everything has its time and place and um yeah just getting back in the ocean with just with mates and um just realizing how incredible that place is for healing for for socializing for just and there's so many things that the ocean is incredible for. Mm. What was the first time like when you got back in the water? Can you remember it, where you yeah, were? Yeah, I do. I was actually, um, yeah, there was, um, I just, yeah, I, the first time I got back in the ocean to surf by myself, like I'd been on like a soft board with mates and stuff like that where I'd yeah. lay, lay on the front. But one of the first surfs back was with, with, was with Mick in Hawaii and, um, he he just said, yeah, let's go. We'll take you surfing. I'm like, okay, sweet. <laughs> I hadn't even ridden my board that much. Like I didn't really know that much. And then, um, and they were staying at Pipe at the time. So they're like, there's a little wave out the front. Do you want to go out there? And I'm like, fuck, first, first surf, surf back at Pipe. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Like, it, what, what? I said, well, yeah, I've got the boys. So I, um, I'm sure I'll be safe. So but just experiencing that rawness and power of those waves was just, it just tricked something in me. It was just like, this is, yeah, it's powerful. Like, (laughs) yeah. And, and and yeah, just having that support as well. And then then it was just like, I wanted to surf every time and home and stuff like that. But yeah, just, and, and yeah, the, having the, the friends both, on tour and at home, good mates and stuff. Like we had a great, um, wherever I went, there'd be always a chance to have a surfing. Yeah, which is cool. That's so sick. It's like just watching footage of you surf now is like so special. I'm watching (laughs) the whole adaptive adaptive surf community is really cool and it's come a long way and it's, um, I think it's only just a start as well and you've pretty much been at the forefront of adaptive surfing. How important has that been for you to make sure that people get equal opportunity that do have disabilities like you. And I, I guess maybe for people listening, because I, I, I always forget that it's a podcast. People can't see anything. <laughs> do you want to explain like how you go surfing now and what it looks yeah. like for you? Because it's obviously a bit different. Definitely. So the way I surf now is um, I've got a seven foot six surfboard and I actually lay down on my stomach, but I'm up on my elbows, yeah. which I've got my elbows uh, um, sort of sitting in two two um, toe surf straps yeah. on each side. So it holds my elbows in perfect. And then um, I've got uh, like grip on my board and I've got sort of pads at the back, yeah. which hold my legs in, or I have like FCS um, 
points on the back where they um, hold my legs in, yeah. and then my mates just push me on the wave, and then once I'm on the wave, it's 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 me. So, yeah, um, so and then you don't so so you don't have feeling from like your chest down. Yeah. So well, originally I'm I just had saying this just from a danger point of view. Yeah. If you fall in the water and you can't use majority of your body it's very it's dangerous as yeah all yeah it is it exactly. is it is and I, i'm 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 so lucky that with all the, the 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 hard work of the therapy and stuff like that a lot of stuff of mine's come back yeah which, um but in the beginning yeah if i it, it, that was one thing also i learned to swim like really yeah. early like so i knew if i fell off i could yeah save myself because in the beginning i didn't even wear a buoyancy vest <laughs> Like, which is crazy. Like, looking at back now, I'm just like, what was I thinking? But, um, and then now, but yeah, but it was okay. But now I just, it's kind of, I wear a buoyancy vest just to make everyone else feel better. <laughs> and, um, so everyone else, not for yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah, so. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So I can swim, I can do whatever. But yeah, but then once you wear the buoyancy vest, it's, uh, it can go either way. It can be good because, you float, but then it can be bad because your mates know that you can float, so they're just going to push you into bigger waves. <laughs> yeah. So that's what's like, <laughs> mate. It's like kind of yeah, bizarre. A bit so, of a balance. Yeah, a bit of a balance. So um, yeah, it's uh, and so the amazing thing, yeah, is the adaptive surfing's coming a long way. But the most important thing that I've found with surfing is that it's helped me with my body and with my training. So when I'm lying down up on my elbows, I'm in the actual opposite direction of sitting in a chair. So ah. it stretches out all like your hip flexors, your your stomach, your um, and 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 relaxes your arms a bit. And then so all the things that I had issues with when I was trying to learn how to stand and and stuff again were weren't as bad because I'd be surfing so much. So my hip flexors would be um, uh-huh. nice and loose to be able to stand up and stuff like that. So so my one of my main trainers, she said like surfing saved your life, not only mentally, but your body. It wow. put your body in an incredible place so then to be able to start training. Wow, surf therapy is just crazy, yeah, huh? And exactly. I can, like think about how many people with disabilities just think surfing's just never I know, ever an option. option. Yeah, exactly. But look at what it's done for you. It's created a superpower, you know what I mean? It's been not only beneficial mentally, which anyone who surfs can tell you, going surfing is good for your mental health, but for you physically as well, it's pretty cool to hear that. Yeah, And hopefully it's inspired some people, yeah, listening right now to maybe give it a go, thought it was a bit out of their depth. Yeah. Able-bodied or disabled, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can do whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's it's a sport for everyone. (laughs) Can I have some water? Yeah, yeah. Next, I want to go into talking about ISA World Surfing Champs. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you kind of got told, hey, you didn't realise you can go for a world title as a surfer still? Yeah. And how'd that make you feel, having something to aspire towards? Yeah, that was incredible. I think it was 2016. Was that my first one? Yeah, 2016. Yeah, 2016 was somewhere someone said, we have competition, like if you ever want to get back into surf comps, getting like, yeah, just let me know and we'll do that. So I ended up surfing my first competition in 2016 for the, just the Australian titles, like the, um, the nudie adaptive um, titles, Australian titles. So I ended up surfing in that and was lucky enough to win that, which gave me a, a 
position on the Australian team to surf in the I say world games uh, or world titles in 2016 and so yeah I was um, yeah got to compete went overseas to California to compete uh, got over there we yeah and did well won my first heat I think won my second heat and then uh, there was a few more heats involved there and then I made it to the final and that was kind of and then I got a a, um, a second and and that was one of the most incredible things, but also the worst thing that felt like the worst thing ever. Yeah, and, like, and, mm, and I want to yeah, win. I know, I know. I was like, I did so well. I won the heats leading up, and then just messed up the final. And so that that lit a fire in me because I'm like, there's no way I'm ever getting second again. Like, uh, yeah, and, and and I. It sounds a bit arrogant, and it sounds like a bit spoiled, but. Um, if you want something and you want it that bad, you go get it, right? Yeah. Like, and so the next year I came back, won the Australian title again, made it to the um, Australian team and okay, I had a different mindset. I was like, I was just taking each heat at a time, having fun and not just, like not just, yeah, let my ego, let my ego come down a tiny bit yeah. and, and ended up being lucky enough to come away with a win and, and that was the most incredible thing I think that could have ever happened because I see it as like as as a kid I want you always want to be a world champ like you know yourself when that's a big thing that you want as Absolutely. a grom like and, and then you think you get thrown some curveballs and I, I got an opportunity to win a world title and 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 I was lucky enough too so. And it wasn't the way I thought standing up, but I'm going to take it and I'm running for the day. So, nah, nah. yeah, oh, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's been incredible. And then, yeah. But did, yeah, how's the journey from lying in a hospital bed being told you're never going to surf again to being a world champion surfer? Like, it's, like it's pretty cool. And the scale. Oh, it's yeah. sick. It's it so is. cool to hear yeah. that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, man, there's so many things I want to talk about, but I want to go into the support that's been around you and the, uh, the effect it's had on you and how important it's been because obviously life's very different than you thought it was going to be and it wouldn't be the same without the support around you who have been the most supportive people around you and yeah what sort of impact has that had for you and how does that make you feel knowing there's people around you that love you that much yeah it's it's an incredible feeling and it's like i've had a core bunch of mates like at home which have been like the stable rocks in my life which has been so cool like we've they, they move away, but they come back. And then now they're all back We're at my hometown, which is incredible as well. But just having that, that the, a good bunch of mates, like, um, yeah, at home. And then just, I guess I'm, I've been lucky enough to, to find friends where, wherever I went. Like all the, when I started getting um, like uh, involved and, and and watching like the the well, ASP back then, but yeah. now the WSL. Like, I was lucky that we were in South Africa, and and Mick just introduced himself to me and helped me get to a better position and and see the surf a bit better at J Bay, and and then from there it just we went out, and then from there he's just like, if you ever want a wetsuit or something like that, go for it. Like, that guy let here, me right? know. Yeah, let me know. And I was just like, and then it just led from there. Like he. 
I said we had one of those conversations where he goes, "What do you want to do? Like, what what what's what's your plan in life?" Blah blah blah. And I just said, "I want to walk again." He goes, and then he just goes, "Okay, well, let's let's do it." Let's do it. And so he started connecting me with people like with Jam, like uh, like for the Czech trainer in oh, the sick. Gold Coast, and then that led to another thing, which led to meeting someone that uh, at a um, that bought the same equipment as me who'd been over in America and then yeah it just it just it's it's, it's a snowball effect. Oh, it's it like, takes one opportunity it eh? does. just one person yeah. giving you the time of day yeah yeah I mean anyone who knows Mick Fanning oh. will double down on the fact that he's probably the best person you'll ever meet oh. I am going to get him on Good Humans podcast he's been not ducking and weaving me. He's, he's a very busy man. Oh, you mate, guys he's know. so busy. He's more he's, busy now than he was in the Oh, it's school, ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's retired. I'll go to yeah, his yeah, place no, and yeah, catch up. <laughs> and he's just got like every 10 minutes of his day is booked out. Yeah. And then he's got a beautiful family yeah. that he's got to yeah, exactly. spend more time with now. So we'll get him. I'll get him one day. I'll get him right when I need to. Man, what a special guy he is, eh? Mate, he's just, I don't know. I just can't. He's so, like the word inspiration gets thrown around a lot, but mate, just seeing what he's been through in life, like he's been thrown something that multiple things that no one should be like mm. should have to deal with in their life, and he's been over and over and over again injuries. Well, yeah, and it's just the way he's handled it, like, and his mind power and like strength is mm. is something that I I hope. One day that I have for sure. Oh, come on, you've got you've got plenty of strength and you've been through it. <laughs> well, I want to talk quickly about. I know you've been going through some health problems with your kidneys and stuff. What's that journey been like, and how have you been able to overcome another challenge thrown your way? Yeah, that was uh, um, twenty nineteen was a massive year for yeah, me. I um, had kidney failure, which um, yeah, which I would not wish upon anyone, but it was. It it was just yeah one of my kidneys was back and like backed up and just wasn't draining properly and um, due to structure and then it yeah it just came to a head I went to hospital just to get a routine stent put in to drain the kidney which turned into a ten month twelve surgery multiple knocking on heaven door events like. It was it was hectic, like not only for me but for for to to run Kate through that as well was mm. was pretty gnarly. But um, yeah. So it it involved reconstructions of like the tube that runs from the kidney to the bladder to to having a um a nephrostomy bag which to help drain it and oh mate to to multiple superbugs like. It's yeah. There there was times where we, yeah we we didn't even know whether I was gonna survive and stuff. So it, it came it, it, after the eleventh surgery. We um went home. They sent me home, and the kidney was doing good. Like it was right kidney had come back online and and it start draining again. And then next thing, all of a sudden, the kidney just decided I've had enough. So right kidney shut down again. Had to go in and um, get the kidney removed, but uh, the the crazy thing about that surgery was I had to sign a waiver saying there was a a big chance that I wasn't even going to survive. So I had a week before 
leading up to the event where me and Katie didn't even know whether I was going to come out of that next surgery. So it was, it was the worst time probably that I've like took me back to the dark times again. And, and it got to the, there was one like that week leading up. It was, um, I just said, I'd been fighting for uh, like 11 months now fighting so many battles and, and this last battle and I couldn't, I had no fight left and um, I tried and I tried to just turn it around but then it was just something that Kata said to me was I just did a post, now go onto Instagram right now and just have a look at all the love and energy that everyone's sending you from around the world Mm. And, and even though you don't have the power to, you think you don't have the energy to go forward soak up everything that's getting sent to you and, and fight this because um of we need you in this world so wow. that was um a little turning point and uh yeah it was still it was it was i did i still i felt a lot better but there was still that long road ahead yeah long road and saying goodbye to her in the um in the surgery the surgery thing but just before i went through those doors it was it was hard, but when I got out, when it was like it was literally probably twelve hours later, and when I woke up from that surgery, it was the greatest feeling I've ever felt in my life. Wow. Like it was like I, yeah, it was. I actually screamed at the top of my, like at my top of my lungs. I just was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like. And then the nurses come running in, <laughs> and they're like, they're like, what's what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm alive. Like, it was just like, mate. It was, and then since that day has life's been seen uh, through different eyes with me for sure. It was so much more to, to live and so much, um, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's a whole new view on the whole world for sure well, is that what your new book's about is that the essence of you and me no that was, oh, that was the before. book was before oh so, so the second book's on its way <laughs> well yeah kate has started penciling so um <laughs> i need to talk to you i want to write a book and i had a publisher come to me but i don't know i've only had one person come to me i need to talk to more authors so yes we'll it, chat later <laughs> yeah so we were lucky enough we, we had we brought out a documentary in um 2016 i think it was yeah 2016 we brought brought out a documentary just about life like yeah we um it started to be a 15 minute piece uh with a couple of um new york film students they just wanted to do a 15 minute piece just on my journey like just with my training that i was doing in america and stuff like that but um then i proposed to kate and they were and then I had a goal that I wanted to um, stand at the uh, have our la- have our first dance standing up no. with Kate, Kata, and um, it uh, so they were like, okay, um, this has gotten way bigger than we expected. So it's now gone from a fifteen minute doco a to a, a full feature length. So they followed us. They also oh, the, the people don't know that um, Kate is in here or better. Uh, or they yeah. do, but so I just pointed yeah, that out. That's right. Um, yeah. So we 
Kater and I got followed for four and a half years. Wow. Just in both our journeys. Like, so this, the movie's about, yeah, both of us and um, you and, it's called You and Me, which is just, yeah, like the, the human connection of just... Um, Can you buy the doco online somewhere? Yeah, Doco's on, a, uh, it's on Garage. Okay. Um, I'll put or, the links in the show notes yeah, for people for sure. to go and watch oh, the thank story you. for yeah, sure. Yeah, that'd be incredible. Um, I've got to go watch it. I feel terrible that I haven't, but... <laughs> it's all good. We should have, I should have sent you one anyway. <laughs> it's my fault. Um, yeah, so we made the Doco and then literally we were lucky enough to, to meet a few crew. Like um, along the way when we were first starting, I, I introduced uh, the filmmakers to Taylor Steele. Okay. Who a lot of people, or some people may yeah. know Taylor Steele of uh, best uh, film best filmmaker ever. ever. Yeah, he changed. Not only did he change the surfing world um, of of movies, but he he kickstarted bands' careers like mm. Blink One Eighty Two, Pennywise, Offspring. Yeah, all these bands that he kickstarted their career, and um, yeah, so we were like, like he was living in Australia at the time, so I introduced them to these two. Uh, Taylor and Lorenzo, um, these film students, and he just started connecting them with some crew, and we met Michael Lawrence from, um, yeah, who who originally owned uh, Garage Entertainment, and then it just they jumped on board and it turned Sick. massive. So we were just so stoked, and uh, yeah, and then the documentary came ended up coming out, and we were just so stoked. We did. Yeah, mo- uh, cinemas, cinema, yeah, <laughs> premieres around the world, and and then we got uh, nominated for a surf- like Surfing Australia Awards for oh, uh, for the best film, and uh, we were lucky enough that it won. And then there happened to be um, a couple of representatives from Hachette Publishing, so they said, "Oh, have you thought about writing a book um, to both myself and Cater?" and they and we said, well, yeah, I guess we've thought about it, yeah. yeah. And they go, well, did you want to? So that process, um, yeah, took. It, we had six months to write a book, and so, mate, I'm lucky that I I'm married to a wordsmith because there's no way I would have been able to write a book, and she just it has a way with words, at being a singer and a songwriter. So, yeah, we just. Uh, yeah, we started it. And then literally we got two months in, I think it was, or a month in, and we wrote 20,000 words. And um, we're like, oh, yes, we, we've got this. We're um, It's going to be so good. And, um, uh, yeah, and, and then literally we had 50,000 words to write in four months. And we're like, okay, yeah, cool. We are in America at the time. and and But because we wanted to get to those places and make people really feel as though they're in our position where we were, mm. we had to try and go into those dark times, like, which we didn't really want to do. Yeah. We're like, that's, we're, we're in a happy place right now. We don't want to go back to that. So we sat down one day and, and, and Kate is like, okay, if we write 1800 words every day for the next, we had a month to go, <laughs> 1800 words. We've got this, we can do this. Sat down. We were, we were there for, six hours and we wrote like about 300 words and we're, <laughs> and we're like we're fucked <laughs> um so yeah and then i guess yeah we were we started writing and then but the the we we just had to put ourselves in those times but what was incredible about putting ourselves in those times was 
we were living the dark times together. So mm. we were going through my dark times. She was supporting me. She, we were going to her dark times and I was supporting her. So that was a pretty cool journey at the end. And um, she ended up writing 70,000 words in a month. And so we went from a 70,000 book to a 90,000 word book. And uh, yeah, we were lucky enough, got it published and... Yeah, we're just so proud of it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it, it's something really cool to have. Well, anyone listening to this right now would have heard me talk about it in the description at the start of this episode because I'm pledging right now that I'm going to read the book before this episode comes out <laughs> so I can give a good little um, highlight and let people know what's involved in the book because, yeah, like I said, I'm in the process of thinking about doing a book, but from recording this episode, there's probably going to be six to eight weeks before it gets aired. So I'm going to have plenty of time and I'm going to make sure I read this book. I feel like it's going to be like one of those books that I'll pick up and read in like a day anyway, because I know you guys and it's even better when you know this, know the people in the story. So I'm looking forward to that. But the last thing I want to finish talking to you about is what you're up to now. And something that really stood out to me was I ran into you for the first time in a while in Foster a few months back when I was there for a surf comp and you were down there too to help with some coaching for some kids and you're doing a lot of surf coaching with kids at Coffs Harbour um, or where you're, you're in... Sortel. Sortel. Yeah. Sorry, I probably... Coffs Harbour probably went like you guys probably... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not allowed to like say one that. Of those, yeah, one of those uh, competitions. The banana region, we'll call yeah, it. Yeah, the banana... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, talk me through that, man. How cool is that to still be able to get down there and bring, coach the younger generation of surfers yeah, because it, your mindset... <laughs> Is something that everybody can learn from. Yeah, oh, mate, it's uh, yeah. I really, it's something I really enjoy these days. Like, I just first started doing um, bits and pieces. Just uh, like I met Samba along the way. Samba was our uh, Samba man. Yeah. For those who know him, he's um, he's the world's biggest frother, and he's just an incredible coach as well. And uh, he was our coach for when we surfed the world when i surfed my world title so having him was definitely i can put it down to him having his froth behind me and his support and his just his knowledge was definitely how how i won the world title in 2017 and um so we started hanging out a bit and then i we, we have a lot of good juniors in our area and um i wanted to just help like like Someone just threw it at me, you should get involved. And so we started a, a Sawtell uh, Surf Academy down at Sawtell. And we now, we've got Samba involved. He's one of the head coaches. And then I just sponged off Samba. Like, oh, he's just a, 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 a knowledge of what He's a good dude. Wealth of knowledge. A wealth, wealth of knowledge. knowledge. Yeah. He's a wealth of knowledge, <laughs> mate. And he's, yeah, just an epic dude. And he rips. Oh, and he tears. He's so, so yeah, so we, I just uh, we started doing a monthly coaching session. Like Samba would come up into our area, and we'd get like about I don't know between ten and twelve um, groms, and then I just started getting involved, and then I started talking. And Sam was like, Sam was Sam was the one that said, "Mate, let's get your mindset and get your so you involved with that side of things." So um, yeah, I just and now yeah, a few of the groms have. Started a couple of surfed in the QSs. A lot of them are like, I won a lot of junior events, and we've just got, yeah, it's such a cool bunch of kids. And just seeing them and just giving them the knowledge that I learned, and and they, they soak it up. Like, they're, they're so, it's so cool to have 
kids at that age learning the, mm. the, the, the way of the mindset and, and yeah, it's, it's, um, something that I going to keep doing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. And it's so cool to watch you do that. When I saw you on the beach doing that, I was like, this is the sickest <laughs> shit ever. I was so pumped. But I guess the last question I want to ask you is what do you, what do you got coming up? What are you looking forward to? Anything, books, docos, anything coming up that you want to promote to the listeners? Now is kind of your chance. Or yeah, what are you, what are you excited for coming up? <laughs> <laughs> or oh, not much. Training, what you're doing oh yeah. Oh, oh what? Yeah. When are you gonna? What's the go? Are you getting closer to being able yeah, to walk oh, a little I, bit, or what's? So, how's that all yeah, going? Yeah. Um. I'm actually. Yeah. The reason I'm up on the Gold Coast now is um. I've from in the in the our documentary. I we documented some stuff. Where I'm working with Ken Ware, who's a his neurophysics is his thing in Australia, and I'm actually we're actually up on the Gold Coast now, working hard with Ken and uh, his son Tom and. And also throwing in a new sort of mix is Taylor Cecil, who um, he's a legend. Taylor, yeah, yeah. so the Mick got me involved with him, and um, yeah, so I've got and I've been just yeah going hard, and the body is the body took a bit of a knock in twenty nineteen, and yeah. I went back a tiny bit, and a lot of a lot of shit happened, and um, so I've been building that up again, and and yeah, oh mate, yeah, um, yeah, yesterday was incredible with Tom, with Tom um, Ken's son, Tom Ware. I was actually in a position where I could lean forward and actually push through my legs and lift my bum up off the seat and like Sick. come in, like get close to the standing position like by myself, which I've never done before. Wow. And that's 23 years after being injured and that shit is gnarly and, and, and it's just pumped me up so much and, and now that's definitely something that, that I'm going hard at. I want to, I want to knock this on the head and, and get back and, and, and be, and work towards starting a family with Cater as well and becoming a super active dad and, and, and teaching our kids the, uh, the, the way of, um, the, our life and just, yeah, it's being able to coach the Groms and stuff has been incredible because you, you show him your way, but, Oh yeah, we want we want our own kids to be able to do that mm. as well. Man, it's so exciting what's to come for you guys and <laughs> Thank you. the adversity in the story to get to where you are is something that is just so incredible and it's so beautiful the connection that you and Kata have, the people around you have helped you get to where you are today and the journey that I feel like you're still on your way through because there's yeah. so much more to happen from yeah. walking to starting a family never and yeah, just getting to share your story and continue to inspire people. So man, I've been waiting to have this conversation for a long time and it's really good that we finally got to have it. But the last question I do end all good humans podcast with is what does being a good human mean to Barney Miller? Being a good human is, uh, someone who not only enjoys life, but shares the enjoyment of their life with people and all their enjoyment of life, their knowledge, and someone who just, yeah, is so supportive and 
shit, mate. It's an epic. It's question. a good. It's today. a hard. It's an epic I've, I've asked everyone. So like the day that we're recording this, episode sixty came out. Yeah. And I reckon fifty of the sixty have been tongue tied. Because it's a hard question because it yeah. takes a bit of reflection. And there's yeah. no good. There's no right or wrong it, answer. No, that's no, the best it's thing. It's so broad. Like, and your answer might be different today to tomorrow. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing. Like we just have a different interpretation based on the season of life we're in. Yeah. But I think that's a perfect answer and a great way to wrap this up. Being a good human is learning and continuing to share your knowledge with others and. I guess that's a good little leg in for me to say if you're listening to this episode and you learned something or you've been inspired by the story, hit the share button, send it to a friend, let them know the great podcast you've just listened to and Definitely. hopefully it can yeah, spread and share great positivity share with people other people. What's possible. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you're the perfect pinup boy for what's possible <laughs> after being told you never surf again, being a world champion surfer documentaries, books, incredible relationships with people and just an all-around good bloke. So, mate, thank you so much for jumping on Good Humans. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Stoked. You. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.